Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Uh, with us today, Bill Crystal. And Bill, there's a lot of, of big, broad news around the world and in Washington to talk about. But I think there are a lot of Americans who are really scratching their heads and asking questions about President Obama's decision to speak out again on the Trayvon Martin-George Zimmerman case. Uh, what, what did you think of what he had to say? And wh what do you think of his decision to yet again step into this, uh, into this conversation? You know, I was surprised. I shows how smart I am. Yesterday, I confidently assured people that, look, the president, whatever his willingness to use certain, you know, issues in a demagogic way for political advantage during a campaign in 2012, or to get legislation passed in 2013, you know, and to say things that may not be true on, on Obamacare, working well or whatever, something like this that's so sensitive, where he is the president of the United States, a unique ability not to make things worse, an ability to even calm the waters. And I thought he did pretty well in his initial statements, actually. It was that Sunday or Monday, I can't remember, you know, right after the trial verdict. Right. For him to wade back into it totally gratuitously, totally. Was, was anyone waiting for the president to say something? Maybe some of his supporters wanted him uh, to sort of, you know, stir things up again. But what possible good could it do? He already had made a statement early on that... Uh, uh, expressing sympathy, obviously, for Trayvon's parents and saying that, you know, his, his own son would have looked like Trayvon Martin. And, and now he should let the, the trial has happened. The Justice Department's looking at whatever it's looking at, hopefully in a, in a serious and objective way, and I don't think that will lead to anything. And it was, I think, even around the country, honestly, interest was dying down. I mean, there's only so much you can say. There was a verdict. It was, it's over, you know. Uh, we can then have debate on some public policy questions having to do with laws of, you know, concealed carry and all that, uh, firearms. But for him to wade into it in the way he did, when personalizing it the way he did, I think was really uh, unfortunate. I, I say this, you know, honestly, as an American, not as, you know, not as, I'm not using it as a chance to beat up on President Obama. I would have been happy to, to praise him for, 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 for saying nothing or saying the right thing, but to give this long bunch of remarks, which contribute nothing, really, to anyone's understanding of anything, and just are going to be used as an excuse to, uh, you know, to, 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 to foster unhappiness, uh, uh, between the races in America is not a good thing. Well, before we move on, just one last thing. I thought it was particularly disturbing for me when the president echoed some of the arguments about was this a legitimate outcome if the races of the two people involved, George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin, had been different. And for him to bring up that argument and to air it as the president, not as some dopey talk show host like Michael Graham or whatever, not as Al Sharpton, but as our president, I was thinking to myself, all you're going to do is inflame passions and disturb the people who are annoyed by this debate over a trial that we all saw on TV. And if anything, the bias of the court was to putting Mr. Zimmerman in jail as opposed to uh, you know, uh, uh, letting, uh, letting him get away with it. Well, and President Obama's own administration had put a bit of a thumb in the scale that way, it seemed like, exactly. you know, in terms of forcing a trial. Look, I totally agree, and you just have to think about the reverse. I mean, can you imagine a Republican, George W. Bush, standing up after, a, let's say, some controversial verdict that had acquitted an African-American in some crime, perhaps, or some incident against in which a white man was involved, and Bush kind of questions the verdict? It's so inappropriate. I really agree with you on that. Uh, look, the whole point, I tried to say this on TV on Monday night, um, the whole point, in a way, of our modern system of trial by jury of, of, of judges who are not political, of, of trying each case on the merits of the case and not letting extraneous things intervene. That was a huge advance in human civilization. You don't want trials used as pawns. You don't want 
uh, indictments used as bonds. You don't want, uh, uh, you know, either victims or uh, people who are involved in instances like this used as pawns as part of a political agenda. That's what used to happen in the old and ancient Athens and ancient Rome, and it's part of what an advance of our civilization. Do we really try to bend over backwards not to have that happen? Trials are supposed to be on their own merits, and what happens happens, and then you move on. And, and in, in, in that sense, he's really done something I think disturbing today. It, it will get we'll get beyond it, and you know, it's not the end of the world, but it, it's another sign of his. I really think just not thinking seriously as a constitutional law professor, as he likes to keep as his supporters like to keep reminding us he was. It's a pretty stunning thing to do to stand up and say what he said today. Uh, and so the question people ask questions: Why? Why would the president keep this alive? And I would have laughed a few weeks ago if, if I'd heard someone say as I did today, Bill. Well, it's because the IRS case is so troubling, so problematic for the White House. They'd rather distract us with the Trayvon Martin case. But then you saw the testimony of a longtime uh, uh, employee linking the. Obama appointed attorney to this activity, and all of a sudden you go, well, maybe the IRS case really is that bad. It's bad. I mean, I thought Peggy Noonan had a good column on this in the journal today, and others who are not hysterics about this. Right. I mean, I myself have been very interested in the case. I thought it was a genuine outrage, the way he wrote an editorial about it, the way the Tea Party people were treated. I thought it was deeply revealing. But I thought it was revealing of a certain attitude of liberal elite bureaucrats and, of course, liberal congressmen, the way they treated the Tea Party witnesses a few weeks ago. Even I didn't actually think that one of the two political appointees at the IRS, a well-connected Democratic lawyer and lobbyist around town, someone who worked in senior Democratic staff positions on the Hill, was the person at the end, apparently at the end, at the top of the email chain, so to speak, on this. And that really is shocking. And whether he, who he talked to, whether he was in touch with buddies of his outside of the IRS, uh, at Treasury uh, in general, at Maine Treasury, or at you know, in the White House or in Democratic you know, uh, party circles, we don't know that. I assume he'll be called to testify and will be asked that. But even so, the fact that he was uh, stalling the action on these uh, conservative and Tea Party applications, uh, paralyzing these groups from, from getting into, from, from doing their thing, it really is shocking. And again, especially shocking because there was such a concerted effort to close it down. It was just the Cincinnati people. There's no evidence it got to D.C. It's certainly no evidence it got to a political appointee. Uh, it was, they were going after conservative groups, too. All these things were false. False and said by Jay Carney and by very senior Democrat uh, people in the Obama administration. So I think that is a genuine scandal, whether that counts for the timing of, uh, of the president's remarks today, I don't know. But uh, it, it's a, it was a bad week for the White House. And then, of course, the, the, the votes in, in the House of Representatives on uh, delaying the employer and individual mandates, which they broke some Democrats off uh, to vote for, you know, about, I think, 20 over a couple of dozen in one vote and three dozen in another vote was a sign of what bad shape the administration is on its, you know, great legislative accomplishment, Obamacare. You put it all together, and I do really think uh, some of the wheels are coming off here for the Obama administration. And I do think Republicans, I say this in the editorial this week, have done a good job in the House, actually, on both the IRS investigation and on handling the uh, critique of Obamacare in a way that has, you know, been careful, and they've really used sort of they used the president's own suspension of the employer mandate as a building block to say, hey, wait a second, what about individuals? They, the IRS thing, they've gone pretty systematically up the food chain, you know. They haven't made reckless allegations, at least the huge majority of them haven't. So it's, uh, I think the House Republicans deserve some credit in both of these areas. Bill, Bill, so, Bill, oh, come on. on. You know how it works. Never walk under a ladder, never cross a black cat, and never praise okay, Republicans. I, 
I know you're right. I, I actually, it's funny. I wrote the editorial yesterday, and someone else in the office said to me, "Oh my God, they're about to sell out on something or make some horrible misjudgment." But can't we have one weekend where we can feel like, you know what, the House Republicans are doing okay, and the Obama administration's not doing too well? And one last question about Obamacare. I've had people say the House, you know, having yet another vote against Obamacare, even though this one will matter, we could see the individual mandate uh, postponed. Um, that they they voted it down 40 times or whatever it is now, and that this is not reaching the American people. The American people are kind of set on the issue of Obamacare, which is not necessarily bad because they're generally set against it. Uh, do you agree with that assessment, or is there uh, are there arguments that Republicans need to make to uh, keep the uh, conversation moving? Yeah, there are two things. I think a I think Senate Republicans really need to try to bring this up. It's hard when the obviously Harry Reid controls the Senate calendar, but he doesn't entirely control it. There are procedural ways that even senators in the minority can insist on votes on things, or at least make it embarrassing to be denied a vote on something. And I think they should try very hard on relieving the two mandates. And then the exchanges, which look like they're going to be a fiasco, I think House Republicans should think about suspending them for a year, which would mean suspending the, suspending the subsidies, which is really the pernicious part of, well, there's so many pernicious parts, but what is one of the pernicious parts of Obamacare uh, is, you know, you start getting people dependent on, on, on these subsidies. Uh, I've t- talked to House Republicans who are thinking of trying to do that on the continuing resolution that will, you know, fund the government for next year at the end of September. So I think there's momentum on the Obamacare issue. Uh, look, the best thing the, administ- thing the administration wanted to do more than anything else, and you and I have heard this a million times, is it's over. Guys, get over it. It's the law. Move on. And that's, they weren't stupid to make that their rhetorical line of attack. This is true. Once something gets settled, even if you don't like it much, you stop trying to really fight it. This is the big concession they've had to make in suspending the employer mandate, and I think the big concession the House Republicans took advantage of. It is a live issue. It is not crazy now for a Republican to run for the Senate and say, I want to be part of further postponing and delaying Obamacare and then repealing it. It's not crazy for a Republican presidential candidate in 2016 to say, you know what, it's not too late to get rid of this albatross. That's very, very important, I think, not just for Republicans as a party, but for our vision of the future of the nation. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time here on the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.